everybody. Welcome to the 440 Guitar Podcast. I am your host, Drill Powell. Thank you so much for tuning up. Happy New Year here for uh, 2022. We made it, uh, and I hope you have some really great resolutions as a musician, as a guitar player, that you'll be able to put into fruition or put into uh, uh, put it, speak it into existence. Um, if uh, be sure to follow the podcast, you know on. Um, you can check the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm uh, forward slash 440. And then uh, if you'd like to follow the podcast, feel free to do so as well. You can do that on our Instagram at the 440 Guitar Podcast to get updates on the episodes coming out. And also I have a bunch of cool little videos that I've cut up uh, from artists that I just have, I'm just a huge fan of and just, you know, play amazing music. And I have those up there as well. Um, so feel free to check that out. Um, and then if you have a question or if you, uh, know that I, you know, if you know of a, of a, of a, a musician who's like, man, like it would be really cool if drill was able to speak to this person, um, feel free to reach out to me. You can do that via DM, uh, through Instagram, or you can go to the 440 podcast at gmail.com. So you can send me an email as well. And I'd be more than happy to speak to them. Uh, this year, definitely want to ramp up the episodes, um, if anyone who's familiar with what I do as well, I, I also have a video game podcast and I have a, a, a album review podcast as well. So busy over here in the podcast world, but want to be sure to pump out some more 440 episodes for you guys. Um, today, I'm very excited, especially for this artist uh, to uh, start off the year for the 440 uh, guitar podcast episodes. So I'm really excited and um and, and uh for for this opera for this opportunity to have to speak with this this gentleman uh just to give a little bit as far as the background um uh this uh artist he's a jazz uh jazz guitar player educator uh, resides in boston massachusetts uh and uh this guy came across uh the 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 logarithms through instagram and man, I couldn't, I couldn't have been more impressed and excited. I just wanted to really pick his brain on his journey. Oh. And I'm, I'm really happy to have him here on the show of uh, the 440 Guitar Podcast. Is excited to have, uh, is it Pritesh Walia? Yep, correct. I, <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. I should have asked you that before I recorded, but I was like, I think I got it. <laughs> no, no, you nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. How, how are you doing, man? Good, man. How about you? Good, good, good. Just trying, trying to, you know, it's, it's funny. It's. It, as a as someone living in California, it's like when it gets hot, it's like oh my god, it's so hot. But then it's like you forget how cold it gets, and then when it gets cold, you're like oh, yeah. I miss I miss uh, the summertime. So, tell so. me about it, man. I'm <laughs> I'm from India, and it goes really hot there. And it's been like seven years, maybe eight years now. I've been in Boston. I still can can get used to this cold, man. It's really? Just, yeah, it's just <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a little too coldy down here. So yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so before uh, we get started here, you know, given the kind of the, the circumstances from for this year, it seems like a lot of a little bit of 2021 is rolling over into 2022, especially when it comes totally. to like the COVID stuff and all that. Um, you know, and and I've had a, a slew of questions asked that I've asked previous artists as far as like, hey, like how is it dealing with this in the quarantine? And now for this situation. I feel like a lot of artists are trying to just book as many shows as possible before the venues are like, you know what? Nope. Cause I can't, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of people's tour dates have already been pushed back. Um, uh, but how has that been for yeah. you? You know, as a, you know, I know you're an educator as well, but, um, just when it comes to you, you know, playing shows. Yeah. In terms of playing shows, um, it's been weird because I remember my new year gig got canceled because someone else from the band had COVID. Oh. So 
so seven people in the band can't play the gig because one of them you know like even if you have one person kind of in the middle of it everyone's lives get you know right right and and that happened a lot i had like this christmas gig going on and someone else i used to play guitar for like like a horn band like a four horn kind of thing and we do like jazz arrangements of like christmas tunes and and one person got COVID in that so the entire gig for the next because now you quarantine for 10 days and yeah you know so like your next two weeks are gone so you know because of that i think like a couple weeks ago i had about 10 of my gigs got canceled wow you know but also at the same time i got like new gigs you know because people are coming back and they're like trying to you know make things happen and also venues here in boston are new venues are opening up and people are trying to play more and venues are trying to have more and more live music so things are kind of coming up but as as much as i can say man the covid situation really messed it up for us musicians because already especially in boston small place and very high competition yeah everyone's great here you know you have all the best music schools so everyone's great everyone can play everyone can really be at a perform at a high level and plus the gigs are limited you know the venues are limited and you know and then you know you have COVID, which kind of makes things even worse and hard so it's uh made it a little hard but i've been gigging in boston for a while and uh i kind of have a network of musicians that are always kind of you know there's a, i feel like i've been blessed where wherever i feel like oh this week i don't have any gigs someone calls me and they're like hey you want to do this or you want to do that which is awesome because awesome. i'm kind of a workaholic when it comes to gigging and teaching i have like a seven day week man <laughs> you know i teach at a yeah i teach at a music college here called bunker hill community college and uh another college in australia online i just have a couple of grad students and uh um you know and i'm i have my own online studio of students that i teach and uh every sunday today actually i have my jam session that i host at a place called the bebop in boston mm. So all musicians from Berkeley and all the music schools come and play there, you know. So I have like a seven-day week. <laughs> wow. Know? Yeah, Monday to Sunday, man. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Man. Well, um, really exciting stuff there. You know, I'm definitely glad as far as you're able to have that opportunity to, you know, still educate and still get those opportunities to play, you know, especially now. So that's great. Yeah. Huh. Um, so on the 440 Guitar Podcast, we're big on origin stories, how people get to where they are today. Uh, so without further ado, let's start from the very beginning. What, tell me about some of your earliest memories of music. Well, I think if I if I can, if I try and think of earliest memories, it takes me back to India, and and I think for me, in terms of earliest form of well, music is something I was listening. If you were born in India, you can't escape it. You know, it's uh, it's in movies and uh, it's in it's in everything, you know, it's uh, classical music, Indian classical music exists everywhere. You can hear it at someone's wedding, at someone's funeral. It's, you know, it's like any kind of event you think of would have that in some, some way, you know, and uh, you can't really escape it. But I never, when I, that's my earliest kind of memory of music, but I wouldn't say that's my earliest memory of music where I was interested in. 
you know, it became, it became, Indian music kind of became, and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way, but I, it became kind of background music for me, you know, and I think the reason for that is not, I mean, the music is great and it's sophisticated and it's cultural and it should be preserved. And I understand that now because I'm older and wiser. But at that point, it wasn't stimulating for me. It almost sounded like something that has always sounded a certain way and it just sounds like that. And I'm kind of bored of it, you know. So earliest memory of music when I was in school, I would, I would, I would be playing in the, uh, you know, like the Indian classical thing where, you know, you, they teach you some Indian classical music and, uh, you know, and guitar was the first instrument that I think I picked up. Uh, I was trying to pick up, um, no, I think I was into, there was one guitar that had three strings on it and that's the one in my school. And I was, I was like, man, I won't play that instrument. But I had to, the first time I learned it, till my mom bought me a guitar, it was just three strings and me trying to figure out Indian classical music on it. Yeah, it was kind of kind of insane. But so earliest music that in my in my head goes back to Indian classical music, but I never really pursued it or found any kind of interest to pursue it. Yeah, that's interesting. You know. That's interesting. Um, tell me about uh, the first uh, the first piece of music where it did kind of like interest you and you're where you're like, whoa, what is this? Totally. Yeah, I mean, so this kind of joins in with what I was saying before. When I was listening to and, and kind of trying to force into playing Indian classical music, um, you know, I was made to learn all this music where, which really wasn't that interesting for me. When we were in school back in India, we were given this like a one hour period in school where on like, one random day of the week where we were allowed to do our extracurricular activities. So that could be music, art, or dance. You know? And uh, I was I was already doing art at home and my parents are really like pushing art at home. You know, they, they want you to, they want me to go play sports. They want me to, you know, play some music. They want me to do everything. I guess all parents do, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was working on art stuff. So at school, I was like, man, I really want to play guitar, but I wanted to play rock and roll, you know, cause, uh, I remember, I think, uh, when I was younger, I'd see my school would have a thing where they had this like Western music band where they where they'd like play rock and roll tunes and they just looked cool. And I was like, wow, man, I want to be a part of this. This is, this is so awesome. And I remember in my school, we had to wear uniforms, like very strict and disciplined, you know, you need to a certain kind of uniform that you have to wear. And these guys were like taking so much liberty with their, with their, <laughs> with their uniform, you know, they didn't have their shirts tucked in. They had like stuff drawn in or their, on their clothes. I was like, man, these guys are cool. You know, I'm like, I I wanna I wanna do that. You know, I wanna play that. I think they were playing in some Metallica covers, and um, and I was like, wow, this is uh, this is awesome. I wanna I wanna play that. I heard some like Deep Purple. These are the few bands that I got introduced by: Deep Purple, Metallica, you know, Iron Maiden, all these like awesome rock bands that 
that I was like, wow, what are these? And then I'd go to YouTube, very slow internet is what I had at that point. It was like super slow. I would have to like open a video, wait for like an hour for it to like stream, you know? And I'd be like, wow, what is, you know, what is this? And that that's kind of, so I don't think it's, it was like one piece of music, but it was like a combined thing that I kind of heard in my school. And I was like, wow, I want to be a part of this. And I went into the teacher guy and I was like, man, how can I be a part of this? I want to, I want to play and, uh, you know, I don't know how to play anything yet, but I'd love to learn. And he's like, sorry, this is full. So, you know, if you have, you have to go to the Indian classical place and, and learn that. So I, I was like, oh, no, man, <laughs> you know, I have to sit there and learn, uh, learn music that I wasn't really into. And my teacher also knew that, you know, this guy is not really into that because I would show up to my Indian classical class and uh, try and learn like Metallica riffs and, and the teacher is like, no, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So that was kind of my earliest, earliest beginning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So when did you decide to, um, when did you, when did you decide to, to, you know, move over to the U S like what, what, uh, you know, what, what led to that? Well, I think I was, uh, 17 or 18, I was graduating high school and, um, you know, I actually wanted to, I actually wanted to study business, go to business school or something. You know, because um, I was like, man, I don't think you can make money or survive as a musician. I thought that um, being a musician is monetary suicide, is complete financial suicide. Um, and the reason I thought of that was because where I came from in India, um, even till now, it's very hard for people to digest the fact that you are a musician and that's how you survive, you know? For them, it's like, oh, you're a doctor and you play music. So it's like, you know, you have a way where you survive yourself and you're the man, you're the breadwinner, so you make money enough to survive and to have an entire family survive. And you also play guitar, so that's, that's fine. That's acceptable socially and culturally that's appropriate you know so in my head it was like it was firstly all all kind of music gigging I, I had no no gigging experience the only thing i was doing was playing in my school band a little bit um so at that point i was like you know what you know i don't think you can really survive off of being a musician especially in india you know where people are highly educated in school they really drill you out man they really like you know some of the best like math and science whiz kids come out of india you know it's just how the education system enforces you to do that which in my opinion is another conversation because i don't feel that education system is built for everyone you know for them you know in school you can only two do three streams did you know that in india you can either be take science which is you can be a doctor you can only do commerce which is you can be working accounts or business or you can do like arts where you do like politics or history there are three only three streams that you can choose in school that's all that they introduce yeah those are all that you introduce and you can't take some of these if you don't score enough uh, in your in your in your finals, so if you don't get above like 
if you get like 80 percent in your in your test you can only get only take like like business or like or you can take science or become a doctor so your plans of becoming a doctor or an engineer gone <laughs> you know like it's very it's very cutthroat so like if if i was introduced to that constantly the system of education it was very hard for me to kind of be like man i can't survive in music because no one's really educated me about how i could do that so i told my dad like you know this is you know this is i love playing music and this is all that i do in a day but i don't know if that's a that can get me i can make bread out of that you know <laughs> like, i don't know if i can survive out of that thing and my dad actually got pretty pissed you know he was really angry he was kind of like man and and it's kind of at that point of my life i was like you know my dad doesn't understand me but but i think older and wiser i got i was like wow that's like if it wasn't for my dad i probably wouldn't be living this life right now because my dad was like, man, you, we like, they were like, as parents, they were like, we realize that you like this and you do this constantly, you know, make it a career rather than do something and then regret this for the rest of your life, you know, try it and give it, give it, give it a try. And, um, you know, and that's kind of great. Yeah. And that's insane coming out of parents from the corner of India where you can't really make a living out of like, you know, it's very hard to culturally accept that you're a musician, you know? So it was like kind of the opposite. Generally, it's like the, the child telling the parents that I want to be a musician and the parents are like, first you be a become, you know, first you get your, all your education out of the way and then think about it, you know? But for me, it was kind of the opposite. I was like, I don't think I can survive. And my dad is like, no, you're an idiot if you choose to go, <laughs> you know? And I remember having this big argument and I was like, no, you know, there's no point. And, and, and he's like, man, you, <laughs> we know you're not that into trying to be a businessman, you know? And my dad is a businessman and he's like, man, you don't, you don't have this, <laughs> you know, be a, be a, be what you're, you're good at. And then you really excel at it. So take it to another level and, and, you know, and I was like, okay, so which, which led me, so I applied to the school called Musicians Institute in Los Angeles. Um, and I got a Steve Weiss scholarship there. And uh, that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah, no, that was awesome. And, um, and I moved there. That was kind of my first music school uh, experience. So, you know, and that was kind of a trial round. Because my parents were like, you know, let's see what happens when you try this out, you know, try out the experience of being in a middle school and, uh, you know, and it's really, I still like, I can't believe how blessed I am because monetarily, it's very expensive, even for people in America, going to a music school, like I've been to three music schools, I have a master's degree in jazz, you know, but, you know, I have an associate's and I got a bachelor's and I have a master's, I, I was actually applying for my doctorate soon too. And uh, yeah, and you know, like i'm i'm very i'm very blessed to be here because most people can't afford this kind of education and my parents coming from india they were like we'll support you you know you you're into this and you you really like this so you should keep going you know mm, wow so my that, my first yeah oh no i was just going to say that that's that's a really phenomenal conversation especially you know i feel like a lot of people today at least for this generation you know they see how there's there's so many other means 
to make money and maybe education isn't necessarily it when, you know, previous generations where it's like, okay, well, like you said, it's like music doesn't even make sense to be an avenue of, for a career, you know, because I've, I've, I've had that similar conversation with my parents too, but it was the one where it was like, okay, like, you can be a musician, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what else is there? You know what I mean? So I think, I, it, I think definitely, um, I think, I think that's pretty amazing that your parents were like, no, like, try this. You know what I mean? Like, try yeah. this, especially for, because in hindsight, when you talked about how in India, how there's three different types of subjects or streams, like, to me, you know, older, that makes sense because it's always kind of setting you up for the world. Like, hey, these are the real jobs that are going to make money versus like, oh, get something in a... <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> totally. But, you know, back, you that's, know, that's kind of the funny part because India doesn't choose maybes at all. You know, there's nothing in between. It's either engineer, doctor or this thing. You know, it's either these. There's no like, I want to be a chef or right. I want to... I don't know any kind of creative field that you can think of that doesn't exist. That's the middle ground. It's like, yeah. it's, there's no educational system that supports that, mm-hmm. you know? So you, when you're in school, you're like, there are only three jobs that exist in this entire world. <laughs> you know? And then you freaking graduate and you realize that, Oh man, there's an entire world out there, you know? And there are people in making money more than a doctor would in some of these creative fields, you know, it's, uh, it's not about that, you know? True. True. Definitely. So you went to musicians Institute. I'm assuming you, did you study jazz and musician in musicians? Yeah. Well, that was kind of my, yeah, that, uh, that school was kind of my introduction to jazz. I would Hmm. say, um, at the age of 18, which is pretty late, you know? Yeah. Um, how did you do in general? Like that was, Oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say, you remember how you responded to that? Because you know, I mean, I would. Yeah, not not well actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's weird. I feel like people that follow me are gonna hear this and they're gonna kind of be like, "What? Are you serious?" <laughs> because jazz is kind of what I play all the time. Hell, in like an hour and a half, I go and host my own jam sessions so in jazz. So <laughs> you know, that is kind of my style of playing, and that's the music I love and I listen to. But my first reaction to it was like hell no <laughs> you know i was like what is this you know this is too alien for me you know it was too out and it was it was too dissonant because i i feel like as humans we are we are very uh pattern oriented people we like to find patterns and things and that is yeah. that is satisfying for us because we look at patterns and we look at patterns as a puzzle. And if we can kind of remotely solve that, it satisfies us. Jazz as a creative form kind of breaks patterns, you know? So it's when you hear it as a listener who hasn't heard it before, it's like ambiguous. It's like, you don't know what it is. And what people don't know what something is, they're generally scared of it, you know? And that's kind of what, what how this works you know there's some people that are scared of something but they are always like you know let's find out let's 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 deep in and let's go deep into this and find out why i don't like it you know and what is it what can i take out of that but mostly when people straight listen to a genre of music and they go out this is not for me it's because they don't know what it is and it scares them 
you know it's not it's not a thing that they consciously they 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 know this in a conscious level but i i know this because i had the same feeling you know um when i went to musicians institute i had some insane teachers man i had russell ferrante from uh, yellow jackets i had scott henderson uh, the guitar player, Dean Brown, you know, Alan Hines. I had some like the best LA cats as as uh, teachers, you know, and um, uh, you know, people were playing. Even though even though LA is still like very rock and and like heavy rock and you know influenced uh, and pop and R and B influenced, and the the music industry is kind of very prominent there. So you kind of see those gigs a lot. The jazz community is very small. It's very tiny in LA. It's like maybe like a handful of like 50 people in LA, man. And uh, that are playing like straight ahead gigs. And um, and all of them kind of teach at Musicians Institute. So I kind of, for me, my transition to playing straight ahead jazz kind of came from listening to fusion. You know, I would listen to like, John Schofield and uh, you know Robin Ford and you know Yellow Jackets like you know these bands and I'd hear all these guitar players that are kind of blues guitar players but at some point in their blues guitar career they got distracted with jazz and now they have this flavor of like jazz playing which which comes out a little bit it's not that heavy so it's like it's like eighty percent kind of blues but like 20 percent of this jazz vocabulary which like just it's a beautiful it was a beautiful combination you know like robin ford was one of my biggest examples you know uh, john Schofield. i mean john can do anything but the records that i was listening to at that point you know so i was like man this is this is that was my introduction to jazz you know because that that was at that point you know jazz was about you know i i, I didn't want to dive into something like giant steps you know you're, you're scared to listen to something like that so the first my introduction would be you know a blues a one four five you know one four five blues and how schofield would play play those changes in place impose sounds over it so that was my way of like oh this is a teacher i had i had this amazing teacher because you have to understand music education in india is like non-existent man so when I when I left when I left India, I could not read music. I feel like I just I, I I'm saying this now because most of the gigs I do are like heavy reading, and people call me for reading music now, and um, because I feel like that's one of my strong points that I can read and perform music at a high level by by you know just reading it on the spot. And I feel like whoever whoever is going to listen to this is is kind of going to be like no way they're probably not going to believe this. But when I moved from India, I could not read a note, you know. Um, uh, and uh, and that school, I had a teacher at a at musician institute who used to. Um, his name is Ernesto Homer, and you can probably check him out on YouTube or or, or musicians institute website or something. He's really cool. He plays like. He plays like crazy um, Eddie Van Halen stuff, but that guy could also play like crazy jazz stuff. You know, I was like, I was blown away. I remember I had my first lesson with him. He was playing over Spain by Chico Rhea, and I was like, wow, what is this? You know, 
and uh, that that guy had really blew my mind because he every time I'd, I'd make a mistake he'd be like nope start again nope <laughs> try again you know it was a tough love kind of thing and and that really stayed with me you know but um wow. yeah i think that was like him and a combination of just listening to these rock fusion guys at at musicians institute kind of got my mind kind of getting into jazz you can't you i feel like the transition to jazz especially when you're coming from a world completely apart from jazz yeah um it can't yeah. I, you can't just throw something heavy at you you know you yeah. have to slowly yeah. find your way to something in jazz in straight ahead jazz that you like oh. you know interesting interesting was there is there a particular Sorry, long answer oh no no i love it no i love it no it's probably a lot of great context you know um i was gonna yeah. ask you was there a particular um it's funny because when i hear you play you know i i almost feel like you play similar as like a, a saxophone player than like a guitarist you know just as far as their chord changes yeah. and stuff really great um were there any favorite saxophone players or guitarists that like were you kind of some of your personal favorites in lieu of you you know learning you know all these other you know yeah music? i mean in terms of um saxophone you know i i am very lucky to have to have had some really insane saxophone players as teachers, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Donnie McCaslin. He is he was one of my teachers. Oh really? Really known, really known saxophone player in jazz. Uh, Jerry Braganzi, huge saxophone author, educator. Um, I, he was my teacher for one year. Mm-hmm. Um, Miguel Zanon, very famous alto player. Again, one of my teachers. So I had like some of the best saxophone players as my teachers and i've always tried to like kind of emulate that there are two instruments that i've kind of tried to emulate because i when i play myself i play very quarterly and sometimes on instagram i only play play like lines and i post that so my line stuff i was always kind of jealous and envious of like saxophone players because those guys' lines sounded insane you know they could it they could do linear stuff within the changes that was just so alien for me. Whenever I heard that, I was like, how do I do this on this instrument, man? This instrument is not made for that, you know? It's uh, it's just, and it's also very, very confusing, you know, to to do that on the, on the instrument, you know? Because if I have one scale, I can play it first position, the second position, third, fourth, fifth, and I can also play it one note on one string kind of thing. So how do I do this, you know? I could never really figure out and some of these lines just didn't work on the guitar because i had to either move the fingerings or there was a finger scramble and i couldn't really figure out you know it's like saxophone on guitar just like doesn't work well you know because they can do stuff that we just cannot the guitar is just you know does not allow you to do that and uh, i still even though it's it's that's why guitar is so beautiful because it's limitation makes you creative that other instruments don't let you be sometimes you know um you come up with voicings that are like insanely alien for piano players because the guitar is like that you know you can't play you can't stack four or five notes so everything you play is kind of an inverted jumble of notes you know so it's it's always like wow what is you know 
So for me, when I was listening to saxophone players, I was always envious of them because I was like, you know, how do I, how do I kind of emulate that? And and I started transcribing a lot. Like I would record my lessons and I go home and try to learn what they're trying to do, you know, or basic essence of what they're trying to trying to do. So I'd really like, you know, I was at that point. This is like my master's degree a couple of years ago, and I was like really involved into like analyzing things and writing about it you know i still have a lot of papers that are written over you know coltrane or you know barry harris and people that i really love and uh, you know just transcribe and really get into what they're doing into the brass tracks and figure out what are they actually playing and transcribe it and kind of decode it you know so that's what i was doing with like all these saxophone players i was trying to decode what they're actually playing then i would see if i can emulate it on the guitar you know, and what I found was like, I can kind of stay first, I try to play exactly what they played. And then I try to see where it's comfortable on the guitar. And then I try and see how can I change it, but still kind of keep the essence of what they're playing, but make it kind of comfortable for the guitar. So I found out false fingerings and stuff like you can you can repeat the note, you know, on on an instrument, you know, so I found these small things. Um, from that kind of research and I kind of realized how horn players are kind of I still can't decode it completely because these guys the day they started playing an instrument they always they can only play one note at a time so that's what they've been doing you know as guitar players we were trying to play our inversions of every chord throughout the neck we're trying to play lines we're trying to do a combination of all of it so we're like kind of too distracted those guys are always you know it's always one thing so they're so good at it, you know. Um, and I'm going to go on a limb to say it's uh, a lot of horn players have the most insane linear ear ears, you know, like you play a line and they can pick it up, but they cannot pick up chords. Mm, yeah. You know, you give them. So like I have I have found myself in this situation and then where I'm with horn players and we're kind of like we don't have a chart or something and, and someone's like oh the piano player's like let me just show you these chords and and he plays it once and i'm like yeah i got it and the horn player's like nope oh wow <laughs> you know let's let's do this again you know yeah because i think um they're because how they play also linearly you know their 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 ears are awesome but i think when notes get stacked and when it's like functional chords and these are not like the progressions that we were playing weren't easy you know they weren't something that you can but but if you're a trained guy, it's not that hard either, you know. Um, wow. And I find myself in a situation where horn players are kind of like, huh, tell me that again, you know. Yeah. It's funny. Because I, I think I, they also have to. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I was going to say it reminds me because I remember reading um, a biography on John Coltrane, and there's the moment where he was working with Thelonious Monk, I believe it was, and he played he he played out a chord on the on the saxophone but i guess one of the one of the root one of the the roots or one of the notes uh was wrong and then um Thelonious played he played like another note to naturalize it to kind of save the note you know so uh, i was like whoa like just as far as for <laughs> how how quick the, his ear was and him knowing yeah. like oh let me save you here you know and like played yeah, it yeah, like yeah, it made yeah. sense no, i was totally. like holy cow so. i mean i mean these guys uh those guys achieved a level of uh i would say i i call it like a combined consciousness 
when they play the entire band is one consciousness it's they it it flows together every aspect of it this is this is kind of the problem in upcoming jazz music um and what i kind of see myself is the band is not a combined it's like the guitar player doing his thing bass player doing his thing drummer doing his thing but and together they just happen to be playing in the same band but Uh, they're doing their thing you know it's not a combined like i will listen to every every move you make i will give you space where you have your own space you know like that conversation, which is literally the point of playing and um, an art form of expression, is kind of missing. Mm, interesting. Because slowly jazz is kind of transforming into this like education thing of like a bunch of notes over a certain chord and the right and wrongness of a chord. That the main idea of playing this art form of music is getting lost, in my opinion. Wow. That's really astute. That's really interesting. I never thought about it that way. It makes sense, too, especially when I think about, I'm such a fan of Coltrane, you know, I think of uh, Love too. Supreme, you know, and I, I think yeah. of uh, just like uh, the last uh, the last song on the album, which is like one of my favorite songs of all time, and you're hearing him literally oh, yeah. get lost and gravitate in a sense, you know, um, even from a spiritual perspective. So that that, that is interesting, you know, seeing how yeah, that direction you know. of jazz going, you know. It's uh, it's becoming it's becoming a thing. Well, I think it's also because the media and entertainment it's kind of like kind of dividing uh, music. Music is becoming an art. There's like entertainment and then art form. It's being it's getting separated, uh-huh. you know. So now it's uh, it's you know there's a bunch of things that you can kind of play to get other music other people on the audience go whoa wow you know yeah and it's kind of become like a cheat code there are four four or five things you can kind of play that show that you're like kind of good on your instrument but really don't isn't really pushing the boundaries of jazz you know these guys back then coltrane with love supreme you know that was like that was really pushing it like if you listen to the album from the starting to the end and did you know like some like one of the songs is like a poem that he wrote and it's like it's it's insane man you know the entire planning that went into that record and you know i had i've had some people really really get into the brass tracks of the album and show me what happened why it sounds this way and what is the reason and it's insane that guy reached another level of consciousness spiritually and musically you know and people were pushing it you know at that point and i think that has kind of ended now and um people people aren't pushing it because it's becoming a selfish thing now jazz yeah you know and you can't as if if that is the mindset you walk in because even nowadays at jam sessions you see people walk in like hoping that they're going to just destroy everyone else it's becoming a competition and um that's horrible that's not how i play music you know it's not it's about community the entire point of this music was about community and and certain people getting together to have a voice and expression you know yeah which is yeah. which is what made the music special because they could push it they could take it wherever they want and however they felt about it now now it's kind of becoming something else <laughs> you yeah. know very, yeah that's very true very true i was going to ask you just two more questions here one of them was yeah. um 
did you always have it in mind to kind of become an educator as well of of uh music or was that something that kind of that kind of changed over time well i think i always had it in my mind um since day one because i never really when i was in india and this is kind of this kind of bugs me a little bit because when i came here imagine coming to coming to musicians institute from a country like india and you come and you walk into your first class your ear training class or whatever and people already know what solfege is people already know what a scale is people already know how to play a scale how to write a scale down they know what reading music looks like they know music you know classical jazz rock they know it probably don't know it that well but they know it because their school system had a jazz band their school system had choir or whatever you know like a playing singing a cappella group or whatever you know schooling system in america had that feature where you had some guy who has education in music sometimes even a doctorate in music who's teaching in a high school teaching kids music theory teaching kids how to play in an ensemble you know i never had that that, that stuff doesn't exist in music because remember we have only three streams you know so that thing that thing doesn't really exist um so for me when i walked into that room i don't know what it was like ear training or something i'm like man these kids these these like in technicality i felt like i was a better player because i was practicing a lot but like cerebrally just like mentally consciously i was like man these guys are just like beyond me you know and i was like the reason for that is is because these guys have been introduced to this stuff from really early age you know and i'm trying to figure this out when i'm like 18 years old you know and uh, i'm trying to figure out what is this what is a clef what is that you know and um you know, so I was I was at a completely different place. You know, so when when I saw that my thing for education kind of grew because I was like, so I have this support system of my family and I'm blessed enough to be in this place to get education. Maybe I can use this stuff, go back and forth to India and and give, you know, because there are too many people in India. Our population is one point three billion. You know, my city of Delhi is 27 million people, you know? Yeah, so it's, you know, it, it's even if I start from my own city, I would say there are like at least 10 million musicians or people real playing guitar, man. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like very small 10 mile radius, you know, you'll find that many amount of people. And, you know, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta share what I have, what I'm, what I have. You know, because these guys would never really know what's out there in the world if I don't show them what's out there in the world. You know, and what they can get out of this. So my my mind was always like, you know, like now I'm teaching at a college level, and I'm very grateful to be able to teaching to be able to teach the people I'm teaching. But I think I, the reason I got here is because from early on I had this thing of wanting to give back because I don't think I had that growing up, you know? So I feel like I had the need to like kind of give, especially back in India, but even here, you know, like 
you know, it's education. I've, I had at this point, I have like three degrees and an education for me is like, you know, it should be shared. It should be, should be a community, man. It should not be like, you know, like, Hey man, can you show me this? And you get defensive and you're like, no, this is don't take my trips to tricks and, you know, steal it from me. <laughs> the, I can't show the you LA mentality. <laughs> the LA mentality. Don't, don't take this from me. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't like that. You know, in my opinion, take everything that I have right. because you can never copy me. Right. You are a completely different person who will take what I have and change it into your own thing and make it your own stuff. It's impossible for you to sound exactly like me. Sure. People could find influence that, you know, this guy is influenced by this guy or that, but at the end of the day, you're going to sound like a completely different version, you know? Right. So, so it's education is all about sharing and, and making the other person aware that, Hey, you didn't know this. Now, you know, this check this out, you know? Right. That's great. I think that's really powerful, you know, definitely because you, you know, you were put into a position where you kind of had to learn, you, you had to learn so much because of that, you know, that disadvantagement of not having those base fundamentals, you know, from where you lived. So uh, that's a really inspiring story. Definitely. You know, especially, you know, saying like taking, you know, taking that to, you know, where you were and everything. And, um, you know, it's funny too, because I always think about just how people start things so differently within their the realm. You know, it's like uh, I think of like Tal Farlow. I think he started playing jazz at like 21, 22 or something. Yeah. Or like, or like the old jazz has to be like, dude, you're too late. <laughs> yeah. Like, like your fingers aren't totally. even as like like when it comes to like yeah, the, no. the uh, dexterity, like they're not even there. But totally, he played such a different way and and, and you know and, and able to catch up. And he's like one of my favorite players now so i think you definitely oh, have yeah. an i think you definitely have an inspiring story you know as far as especially oh, when it comes you, to man. yeah absolutely absolutely no um, thank you man and i feel like the reason the since i didn't have the education it kind of made me work harder for people that did have it because i feel like when it's around you a lot and you kind of forced to show up to a jazz band you kind of take it for granted you know, because you're always there. It's always going to be there. You know, for me, it's like I'm I'm in this new country of America. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, how when I'm going to have to go back. So I'm going to put it all in. You know, right. I remember I used to like practice, pass out in my on my seat in the practice room, wake up at like 6 a.m., brush my teeth and go to class. You know, sometimes like it's like that used to be my days of just practicing six, seven, eight hours keep going until you know i'm like you know in my room it wasn't even my room i would never go to my apartment which was literally across the school i would always be in the practice room my practice room smelled like chinese food that's <laughs> all i was eating and i'd eat that on a practice eat that on a practice because i was like man i don't know how much i'm gonna uh get to do this so yeah. you know wow. that kind of helped me yeah yeah uh, I guess one of the last things, you know, uh, if you wanted to to plug any additional um, like shows, maybe that you're going to be playing in the future, that you know our listeners can uh, keep an uh, an eye on uh, to potentially come see it. Uh, any, anything to plug that you're going to be performing uh, within the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, if people are in Boston, please come check out. I have my own organ trio that it's it's I'm working out right now, um, and we're going to be recording soon. I'm also recording my trio album 
um, in a couple of weeks. So that should be coming out in a couple of months. Um, you know, so on the 25th of January, I think there'll be a live stream too. I'm playing at a venue called the Lily Pad here mm. in Boston with my organ trio. Um, yeah, and on the 20th here, I'm playing with a group that has arranged this composer, man. He likes my music. He heard my music. He's a good friend. He liked my music and he arranged it for a big band, for a jazz big band. So they're oh, playing wow. my music uh, on the 20th here at Virtuosity in Boston. And I think that's also going to be live streamed if people aren't here. But in terms of the more internet world, stay tuned for a couple more months because my music is coming out. You know, cool. my trio stuff. So excited for that. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, Pratesh Wally, I really appreciate you being on the show, man. Uh, I really, you, you shared, oh, you shared a lot. Of course, of course. Yeah. Your story is amazing. And I'm glad, you know, you're able to kind of share your, your, your story there. So appreciate it. Um, so, uh, there you have it folks. Uh, this is the 440 guitar podcast. Uh, we'll jam again soon, but until then signing off here, Darrell Powell, uh, thank you so much uh, for listening and, uh, have a great Absolutely. day.